Warning. The following podcast is a true story that describes graphic scenes some listeners may find distressing. Listener discretion is advised. Curly Lambeau's grandfather turned to his wife Marie and told her that he was going to kill her. And the deadline he gave? Three weeks. He promised that before three weeks was up, she would be dead. But Victor Lambeau couldn't wait three weeks. Within seven days of his grim announcement, he'd aimed a gun at his wife and pulled the trigger, sending a 32 caliber bullet into her neck. Moments after she fell to the pavement, he too would fall. Dead. Monday, October 5th, 1891. Victor Lambeau made his way to Old City Pound Lot to meet his business partner, John B. Rose. Both men ran a highly successful and renowned masonry and contracting business in the city. In fact, 38-year-old Victor Lambeau was regarded as possibly one of the best stone and brick masons in the entire state of Wisconsin. Victor and John had erected some of the city's finest buildings and many thought of the young Victor as an honest and straightforward man. This afternoon, Victor had been drinking. John B. Rose was to testify as such when detailing the events the day after the horror had unfolded. As John was laying the foundation of M. McGuire's new house, Victor was animated and worked up. He got like this when he drank. He got jealous. In fact, Jealous was too gentle a description for it. He was haunted. He was haunted by the notion that his wife Marie had been unfaithful. In fact, this was the most animated he'd ever seen Victor Lambeau. The claim of his jealousy wasn't without corroboration either. Mrs. Lambeau's best friend, Mrs. Libby Gagnon, said as much when she testified. She said he shot his wife out of jealousy. It was Mrs. Gagnon who exposed Victor Lambeau's deadly promise a week earlier that he would kill his wife. After a while of some back and forth chat, Lambeau left John B. Rose to his work. It was the last time his business partner would see him alive. The clock struck four o'clock in the afternoon in downtown Green Bay. Victor Lambeau made his way down Main Street with a tin box under his arm. The contents of the box are chilling in retrospect, but seemed like nothing out of the ordinary at the time. Outside, watching him stroll by, was Louis Klaus and Fritz Kramer. Both men would be some of the first witnesses on the scene when they heard the gunshots ring out. Marie Adolphin Charlier, wife of Victor Lambeau, was standing on the corner of Webster Avenue and Main Street. The 38-year-old had no idea that she was mere seconds away from tumbling to the pavement where she stood. Victor Lambeau, according to the Grant County Herald, did not say a word to his wife. He simply took the gun from his hip pocket, raised his 32 caliber revolver and shot Marie in the neck. The bullet entered her neck just below her chin and exited at the back of her neck. As she reeled to the pavement, he again raised the revolver pressed it to his right temple 
and pulled the trigger. He was dead before he hit the ground. Bystanders were in shock. Thomas Couch, who was driving his wagon nearby, was one of the first on the scene. Klaus and Kramer, who had been having casual conversation as Lambeau passed, heard the shots and also ran to the grisly scene. What they found was Victor Lambeau lying lifeless on his back with a gunshot wound to the head and Marie Lambeau on the ground also, but fully conscious. Bystanders rushed to her aid and carried her to the nearby house of doctors Walters and Lewis. Here, the doctors dressed her wound. Despite newspaper reports stating that she could not survive such an injury, she remained conscious the entire time. The body of Victor Lambeau lay in the street. The scene was chaotic. Children were crying, men chatted loudly together whilst women wrung their hands in shock. Frantic telephone messages were sent to gather law enforcement and Justice Bryce and Police Chief Tennis were soon on the scene. They had to leave Lambeau where he was until they could gather a coroner's jury to inspect the body. Once this was done, they moved the body to the funeral parlour of Leferve and Schumacher. When Marie Lambeau was picked up off the ground after the shooting, she stated a different reason for the shooting. She said that her husband shot her because she wouldn't hand over two $100 checks. The Grant County Herald, the newspaper that said he didn't utter a word before the attempted murder, had come across his wife by accident. Both of these stories seem highly unlikely because of what was in the tin box clutched by the dead man. In the box was a life assurance policy from the modern woodmen of America for $3,000 payable to his children in the event of his death. There seems to be no question that Victor Lambeau knew he was going to die that day. It seems like he also didn't think that his wife would be around to file the policy. This was a murder-suicide. A failed one. Miraculously, Marie Lambeau was to live for another 29 years, only passing away in 1922. Tragically, even Victor Lambeau's own parents were to outlive their son. A newspaper article in the Green Bay Press-Gazette dated the 14th of October 1891 details the testimony of those close to the event as part of the coroner's jury case. They ruled the attempted murder-suicide as an act of temporary insanity. The $3,000 policy was paid to Victor's children. Marcel, Curly Lambeau's father, was 15 at the time. Curly would be born seven years after his grandfather died, and the Lambeau name would eventually adorn one of the most sacred stadiums in world sport, masking the very tragedy that plagued the family at the turn of the century. Thank you.